Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. What if there was something in nearly every conversation that could be an opportunity for you to show God's love to someone? We'll talk about that and more. This is the Engaging Mission Show, episode 187 with Robert Harris. Welcome to the Engaging Mission Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Hey there, thanks for joining us. We want to see the body of Christ fully engaged in God's mission on the earth. This week, I'm going to have an opportunity for you to help me build an upcoming series. I'm going to have more information about that as we get to the very end, so you're going to want to stick around for that. We're going to be talking with our guest about how often we have conversations about brokenness, as well as how God has changed his perspective on spiritual warfare. We're going to be checking in with Brian Hogan as he's reading from his book, There's a Sheep in My Bathtub. We're going to be talking about some of the things that happened as his family was preparing to enter Mongolia. I'm also going to have some resources for you from Global Initiative. These will be resources to help us better understand Muslims so we can engage them for God's glory. Before we get to all of that, though, I have a little bit of business to take care of for you. Last week, I mentioned that I'm going to have an opportunity for you to help me prepare the content for an episode. And this is what this is about. Every week, I hear from a guest, and typically I'll ask them things like what their favorite verse is or things like that. I also want to put together a special episode featuring you and your favorite verse. If you visit engagingmissions.com slash favorite verse, that'll have a, a place for you to record that and send that in so I can put that all together and make an episode of your favorite verse along with everybody else that listens. I think this could be a really cool and a really encouraging thing for us to do. Visit engagingmissions.com slash favorite verse for that for that opportunity. Also, a little bit more business. I'm looking for a bookkeeper, and this will be a, a, a contract position, but it'll be something where I'm, I'm able to pay a little bit for this. And I mean, frankly, I'm just not a very good bookkeeper, and I need somebody to help me kind of keep track of that. If that sounds like something that's interesting to you, visit engagingmissions.com slash bookkeeper. And there's a little bit more information there about and what what goes into that, what I'm looking for, and also what I need from you in order to kind of move forward. That's engagingmissions.com slash bookkeeper. One more thing before we get into our, our interview, I need I I owe you an apology. If you're on my email newsletter, which you can subscribe to at engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. If you're on that, you already know about this, but here's the deal. A couple of weeks ago, I was getting ready to convert my site over to a secure site, to convert engagingmissions.com from an HTTP site to an HTTPS site. What that does is then that encrypts the information that comes from the the website to your computer back and forth so that what you're doing there is no longer searchable by other people. When I did that, though, it broke something with the podcast feed, the thing that lets iTunes or whatever podcast app that you're using know what's going on. And the net result of that was that that Friday morning, you probably woke up to discover 185 brand new episodes that you'd already heard before. And it's just something that happened with that. There's a really technical reason that it happened. It was just a mistake. And for that, I apologize because I'm, I probably filled up your phone or your computer or whatever it is that you listen to this with, with a bunch of stuff that looked new that really wasn't. So I'm, I'm really sorry about that. But what I'm not sorry about is the interview that I had. Let's transition to that now. All right. I am really happy to have with me today Robert Harris. 
He is 22 years old, and he's been serving on a church multiplying team in Austin, Texas, for the past year and a half or so. As we're recording this, though, he and his wife are getting ready to move to South Asia. Now, I do want to mention, just to be transparent, we are using a pen name for security reasons, but we are going to be calling him Robert today. So, Robert, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Brian. It's a joy to be here and discussing with you today. Well, it's an absolute privilege for me as well. And I, I know that you probably have a lot going on as you're getting ready to move to South Asia. And I'm wondering, can you maybe just take a minute to kind of share a little bit about who you are and what you do in maybe a couple of sentences? Absolutely. So my wife and I really were a team. And so there wouldn't really be me without her. Yeah. Our heart and our desire is to see movements of the gospel happen all over the world. And so whether that be here in the United States where we were born or anywhere overseas, we're just really passionate about seeing the gospel multiply generationally. And we really, that's what we pursue is we just pursue cascading multiplication of the gospel. And that's what my wife and I are very passionate about. That's great. And so you're 22 years old. You and your wife are, are, have been ministering together. How long have you guys been married? We've been married a year and a half. Wow. So right about the time that you started working with the church multiplying team? Yes. Yes. We got married right around that time. Wow. That sounds like there would, would have been a lot of change all at that one time that you started ministering with this team and then also that you got married. Were there any challenges during that transition? Absolutely. There was the challenge of getting married and learning how selfish I was. <laughs> yeah. And I'm still learning that. And then there's also the challenge of really just upping what we felt like the Lord was calling us to do as far as time per week, how much time we were given to the gospel and the ministry each week. That was upping at the same time. At that time, my wife, she is a couple years older than me. She was working a full-time job, and I was a student. And then we would spend about four to five of our evenings for about three hours in the evenings. We would go out and share the gospel and follow up and do discipleship with people. So it was a big stretch for us, but it really laid the foundation for what we feel like might be a busy life for us. And so we're really grateful for that opportunity. As you, as you were sharing that you were learning how selfish you are, I laughed a little bit because I can totally relate to that. Having been married now eight years, I still struggle with selfishness, so I, I can relate with that. As you and your wife kind of got started, you, you, were, you mentioned that you were spending, I think, three to five of your nights doing this, the ministry and the work together, discipling people, that kind of thing. How has that shaped your marriage? Absolutely. Well, the beautiful thing about our marriage is my wife and I both met in separate groups, but same organization that was planning as like preparation for people that wanted to move overseas. And so a beautiful thing that the Lord did is when he brought us together, we didn't have any friction on vision. We both uh. had the same vision already. And we both just got to iron out what that looks like. And really what the way I normally describe it to people is we learned what not to do over the past two years. And so my wife and I have just been learning how do we get out of God's way? And then how do we just partner with him and just kind of jump on board? Because what we found in the first year and a half is when the Holy Spirit starts to do stuff, it's just everything you can do to try to hang on. And so my wife and I, it really has shaped our marriage as far as just wanting to see the Lord work and wanting to follow Him and wanting to do whatever He wants us to do. So with that focus and, you know, just understanding that the Holy Spirit's leading you and that it's been kind of a whirlwind, is there any semblance of balance in your life? What, what does a balanced life look like for you? Yeah, my wife and I got some really good insight. Recently, we were at a conference for an organization that we're involved with. And one of the CEOs of the organization, it's a missions organization, he said, really balance, whenever you're looking at balance and missions, it's not really over the course of a week, but it's over the course of like a year. And so my wife and I have had to learn that the hard way, where we've seen a lot of loving, amazing couples that we look up to 
who have a very set schedule where each week, you know, they're Friday night, they're going on date night and then Sunday morning, they're going to church and just beautiful schedule like that. But for my wife and I, what balance has looked like is more of kind of weekly and monthly. And so there's some weeks whenever we get a call and someone wants us to come back and read the Bible with them and we'll skip date night on those nights. But what we've had to do to bring in balances, we've had to plan marriage retreats where we take two days and, and get out of Dodge every at least once a quarter. And so it's really just trying to hang on with the Holy Spirit, like I said earlier, and then just trying to look for those indicators that, okay, it's time to get out of Dodge and take a break and rest. Because week by week, and this is a lot easier for me than my wife, but we quite weak. The schedule is always changing. You know, that's that's a really deep and powerful insight because I'd never really considered that. The, the idea that there could be different lengths of seasons, if you will, that some people maybe operate on a weekly cycle while others operate on a quarterly or a monthly or an annual cycle. That, that's really good. As we kind of think about that. I'm also wondering, you know, during some of those times where things have been maybe going a long time between date nights, if you will, have there been maybe some things that have helped you understand, hey, it's it's about time to take a break now, or it's it's maybe time to maybe not take a break. You know, how, how do you determine when the right times are for those? Yeah, normally I try to fill my wife out and just ask her some questions. And then I try to pray. And as we're praying together, we'll just sense if it's the right time or not because my foot is pretty heavy. And so whenever it hits down on the pedal, I'm ready to run for like a long time <laughs> and I'm ready to just go. And really it's God's grace in my life. Part of God's grace in my life as putting my wife with me to be able to say, you know, it's okay. We can slow down and we can rest a little bit. And so really my wife is, the one that's more sensitive to when it's time to take a break. And that's really been, I've learned over the past year and a half, that's God's grace in my life. That when my wife says, hey, let's take a break, I can really receive that from the Lord saying, okay, like, it's okay, we can take a breather. And it's just refreshing because I, he always reminds me that he doesn't need me to do anything, but that he invites me into it. And therefore, it's okay that we can rest and take a break. And, and my wife really she picks up on that a lot better than I do. You mentioned that resting and taking a break and trusting God with that. I would imagine that sometimes there are some some areas in your life where it's maybe difficult to trust God with something, that there's maybe something that he, you have to trust him to take care of or something you have to trust him to provide. What are some of the things that you've had to trust God for through these last couple of years and as you're heading toward the new ministry opportunity? Absolutely. Well, we've had to trust God with our finances, knowing that the Lord will provide that. My wife works, you know, 40 hours a week, but then I was working on just a part-time support-based budget as I was finishing school and doing ministry here in Austin. And so we've learned to trust God for that. And man, we've had to, in many cases, some people would say we've had to trust God with our lives and the places in which God's taken us in our city, even where we moved into. We moved into a community that was heavily Latino and African-American, and it was just known as a rougher part of town, and we felt like God called us there, and we moved in there. And the window seals, they didn't really lock very well, and we asked maintenance to fix that. The door didn't really lock well, and we just trusted God and said, hey, you know, we're fine here. If anybody wants our stuff, then it's yours and you know who needs it so they can come in and get it. And we've just had to trust God with all of that. And then even whenever he called us to move overseas a few months ago, we felt like the time in which he was telling us to move overseas only gave us about four months to raise our full support budget. Wow. And so we said, okay, Lord, if if this is what you're saying, you're going to have to help us. And we have in about three and a half to four months, we've raised about 90% of our budget by the Lord's grace. And so just different things like that. It feels like it's a daily having to trust God because I just forget how faithful he is. And I'm just having to go back and say, you know, thank you, Lord. Thank you for providing. Wow. So 
90% funded right now. And I think you said three and a half or four months that you've been pursuing this. Obviously, a lot of prayer and a lot of work went into this. And I'm wondering, were there any resources or any tools or anything that you drew from as you developed this support base, you know, the mindset and connecting with people and all of the things that go into that? Yeah, absolutely. A good friend of mine, he worked for a mission organization, and he kind of gave me the, he's really good at connecting with people and raising money. And he gave me just his philosophy and how he does things. And that drew a lot from the book, The God Ask. Mm. And a lot of my friends use that book. And yeah, the greatest resource, I think, and the greatest advice I got was just to pray and and ask. And if people are able to, then they're able to, if that's what God's leading. And just not to take it personal if people aren't able to partner at this time, because it doesn't mean that people don't want to partner. And it doesn't mean that they don't want to give to whatever God has called you to. It's just some people aren't capable at that time. And so it's not a personal thing and just to continue pursuing it. And then most of ours, honestly, has just been God's favor. And it's just led me back to my knees most of the time because it's just, I don't understand how he did it, but he really affirmed the calling through it. And it was just, it was all him. Yeah. We can't take very much credit for any of it. As you've been walking through this time, what has God been showing or teaching you as you've been going through this? So we, God's teaching me to trust him with finances. And then recently we're, we were on a trip overseas and we were leading a short-term trip. And one of the big things that he's been, he taught me then, and then he's been teaching me even as I've returned back to the States is who to fear. And so I, we were on this trip and I, I was just concerned because it was a country that we wanted to keep going in and out of. And I didn't want to get in trouble with my visa Hmm. And we were there to share the gospel. And everybody that we were interacting with actually was connected to the police. And so it was just like everyone that we were led to was connected to the police. And it was like, okay, like I'm, I'm here to share. And so I would share. And it was, it was like seven days, Brian, of God just teaching me <laughs> not to fear man. He was like, you're, why do you fear any of these people? Like, if I want anything to happen, I'll make it happen. And if I want your visa to stay clear, then it's going to stay clear. And I've just learned even coming back as I'm even asking for support or even as I share, you know, the gospel here in the United States to God's just showing me who to fear and who not to fear. And it's just been a tough lesson for me. One who struggles with a little bit of a comfort idol, it's been a lot of growing and just learning to fear the Lord and to trust him and just keep, keep sharing. Sometimes I feel like whenever I was in this country, I was reading and praying one morning and I felt like it was as if God was telling me what he told Paul whenever he was in Corinth. And he just told him, Hey, keep on going. I got many more in this city who are mine and they're not going to lay a hand on you. And so I've been learning to just trust the Lord and do what he says. And every time I do what he says, it always turns out great. And whenever I choose not to, that's whenever things go wrong. And so I'm just learning to hear and obey. Wow, that that's really good. And, and it's really interesting that, it, you know, Right now, we're using a pen name, and clearly that's something that, you know, as you prayed, God kind of directed you toward that, and at the same time, we're talking about not fearing man, and, you know, outside of the eyes of faith, those two things don't reconcile. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense, but I'm, I'm just so thankful that God's been revealing this to you. With that, though, we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to shift our focus more toward the ministry. I'd like to take just a minute to tell you about another podcast that I think that you should check out. If you enjoy the Engaging Missions show, you definitely want to check out the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland. He's been a guest on the show, he's a friend of the show, and he's just recently finished up a series where he was on location in Thailand talking with some missionaries there about leadership. I thought it was a really, really interesting discussion. You can check that out at fxmissions.com. I think it's worth your time to at least give it a second to check it out. 
All right, we're back with Robert. And I just want to, you know, during the break, he and I were chatting a little bit about fear and he, God had really showed him something cool about walking, not in fear, but also not in presumption. So Robert, just go ahead and share that with us. Yeah, absolutely. I was praying recently and thinking through and I was just telling the Lord, I was like, Lord, man, with, with you by my side, I, I feel like I could do anything. I feel like I could walk straight through a brick wall. You put anything in front of me and I'm not afraid to go through it. And the Lord really reminded me that if Jesus taps me on the shoulder and shows me a door that I should probably go through that instead of going straight through the wall. <laughs> and so it really, it was just the analogy that the Lord brought to my mind and my heart as I was thinking about being as shrewd as a serpent and as innocent as a dove is that as we go, it's as he's with you, if he leads you through the wall, then you're going to burst straight through it. But if he taps you on the shoulder and he's showing you the door, then it's best to just take that route. That, that's great. And thank you for sharing that again so we could get that on the recording. Now, Robert, as I think about what we have going on, currently you're involved in Austin, you're headed to South Asia, but we haven't even begun to talk about how you got started. So what? how did you get involved with what's going on in Austin? Yeah, so... Whenever I was growing up, my dad, he was a pastor, and I was the youngest of seven, and whenever my dad, he got out of pastoring whenever I was about 10 years old, and then I grew up, all my brothers and sisters, they came to faith at a very young age. I didn't. Whenever I was in my teenage years, about 16, 17, I got really depressed, and that led me to be very suicidal. And I really just didn't see any reason for living. And then Jesus stepped into my life and he saved me and I just fell in love with him. Mm. And I really just fell in love with Jesus and very simple truths of the gospel. And even from that very, that right whenever he grabbed me, I couldn't see how anyone else was walking through life without him. And it just didn't make sense for me. So I got really just passionate, even very early on, about other people just knowing about Jesus. And uh, I didn't know what that looked like or how to tell people. In high school, I got to lead a couple of people to faith. Mm. had no idea what discipleship looked like or how to do that. And then whenever, a couple years ago, I was still just struggling along, wanting to learn how to, you know, I was actually preparing to move overseas. And the Lord really just convicted me and, you know, just said, hey, you know, you want to move overseas and make disciples and plant churches, but like, how are you going to do that? And, you know, I said, I have no idea. And so I just really started thinking that if the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is now living in me and the same Holy Spirit that's working and moving in all these movements that I see overseas if he's really the same Holy Spirit, then why can't he do it here in the United States? Oh, yeah. And so I was maybe just very gullible, but someone told me that they were going to go to a conference, on learn how to share the gospel, learn some of these movement principles. And so I jumped in as one of my really good friends that lives here in Austin. He's been a mentor for me over the past few years. And I went with him, and we came back, and we just— got really passionate about trying to share the gospel. And we were sharing, and we tried so many different ways, and we just kept failing. And we started to see a couple people come to faith, and they would just get blown up, like, oh, my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. And so we just kept going, and we were just really passionate. We all just had a mutual love for Jesus and wanted other people to know about Him. And we just, over the past year, there's been a progression in our group, and we started out very small and, you know, just a handful, maybe 10 people, and just passionate about going out and actually just sharing the gospel. And so we started sharing the gospel with people, and it went from we were going out and just sharing the gospel and celebrating that obedience to Jesus. And then we started to celebrate salvations because people started coming to faith. Mm. We learned any time that the gospel goes forth, normally people come to faith. And so we just started sowing the gospel more, and we moved from just sharing the gospel to now we were seeing salvations, people were coming to Jesus, and we were celebrating that for a while. And then God raised the bar for us again, and 
we started seeing more baptisms. And so we started celebrating baptism. And then God kept raising the bar and saying, you know, we started to see a little bit of generational fruit, which just means that the people we were leading to faith, they started leading other people to faith. Yeah. So we just started seeing this progression where God was always exciting us about the next thing. And probably about a year and a half, my mentor and a bunch of my friends that I knew even before I started learning about multiplication, by God's grace, I, we all just got to be involved in this and all really got passionate about Jesus. And all I had six groomsmen, all six of my groomsmen, by God's grace, were all pursuing movements of the gospel. And it's just been a lot of fun. So here in Austin, they're focused on, we've been focused, I kind of say they now that I'm moving, which is kind of sad, but we've been focused on just seeing the city of Austin saturated with the gospel. And so Austin, it's about 2 million people, but there's 1.4 million lost people here. And so we've said, you know, what's it going to take for every one of these 1.4 million to hear the gospel from someone's mouth to their ear, because they deserve to hear it. And if we're not going to share it, then we need to start apologizing to them. And so we just passionate about seeing those 1.4 hear the gospel. Wow, that that's an incredible story. And the thing that stuck out to me the most was the transition in things that you were celebrating. First, you would celebrate sharing, and then you would celebrate salvation, and, and so on and so forth. Now, I, I know that you're headed toward uh, South Asia. I would imagine that the cultural, the political, all of those landscapes are different there. Can you maybe share a little bit about not so much where you're headed, but what it's like where you're headed? Absolutely. So my wife and I are joining a team of three other couples in South Asia. We're going to be working a target area. Of just my wife and I are going to be working a target area that's about 10.2 million people. Wow. And it's less than 1% Christian, and there's no other known workers working in that area right now. And so it, it, it's the equivalent of if you took my wife and I and you put us in the heart of New York City and you said, have at it. And so that's kind of what they're doing for us is they're going to take us over and put us in this 10.2 and just say, there you go. See, just follow the Holy Spirit, see what you can get done. And so it's, yeah, it's less than 1% Christian. I don't want to say what the other religions are just for security reasons, but they're just a whole makeup of other religions that are there. And we're going to go and by God's grace, see people come to know Christ. Wow. You, it's almost like you're reading my mind because I was totally headed toward, can you share what the other religions are? So I'm glad that you kind of stopped that one before we got there. As I think about your life and your ministry, I, I know that there's going to be a lot of transition. There will probably be some tough times. And I'm wondering, can you think back to some of those tough times that you've had and how God's gotten you through them so far? We've gone through a lot of tough times very early on. As you were saying a while ago, the progression and the things we celebrated what we learned is every time we went from celebrating one thing to, you know, celebrating something else, there was another piece of us that had to die as we went there. Mm. And we've learned that there's always a piece of us that has to die. We always have to die more to ourselves to go up a level. And to see more of God's glory, we have to die more to ourselves. And so it's it's just been crazy whirlwind. We also have seen from going from one stage to the next that we should expect persecution or spiritual warfare, maybe a better term to use, that there's a lot of lies of the enemy and sometimes, you know, nightmares. My wife and I, we've gone through times where for two weeks straight, we'll be having just nightmares mm. and we don't have them on the same night. We would always have on the night that I was not having them, she would have them. And on the nights that she was not having them, I would have them. And we would go through that for, you know, two weeks. And what we really started seeing is that these different things that happen in this different spiritual warfare, once we started to celebrate it, it lost all of its power. Hmm. And so instead of us, you know, we would go through the spiritual warfare instead of, you know, man, this is really tough. What we started saying is, thank you, Jesus, that you've counted us worthy 
to suffer for your namesake. Thank you, Lord, that you have put this trial in our life to draw us closer to you. We just, we praise you for this. We just worship you for this. And what we found is whenever our heart started to respond that way, it was like the sting of it it was just taken away. And you even got to a place where you start to expect it. And I would, if I went two weeks without, you know, feeling somewhat discouraged or feeling like the enemy is trying to tell me lies, that was my cue to re-examine my life and say, like, am I obeying Jesus? Because once I started obeying Jesus, I just started expecting those things to happen. Like, that's just, that's what I saw in Scripture. That's the example I started to see and other people as they were obeying Jesus and sharing the gospel is that spiritual warfare is just kind of an expectation. It's kind of, when's it going to come? I'm not worried about it. It's such a gift. It draws me closer to Christ. And whenever we started to kind of soak it that way and kind of change our mind in the way that we saw it, it really, it just gave us a totally different perspective on what it meant to go through trials. And it really shaped our thinking and how we look to go forward. And that by no means says that we don't go through hard times that are like really, really tough. Like we definitely do that and it's still very hard. But as we give thanks to God in all circumstances, we really have seen that that helps drive through those moments and draw us closer to Christ. Wow. I, I really appreciate you sharing your perspective on that and how, how God's worked in and through your life during that time. As I think about the transition that's coming up as you're headed towards South Asia, I'm wondering, obviously you've been raising funds, you've been learning and trying to do things to prepare. What kinds of things are you doing to prepare for the, the transition in ministry and the new culture? Yeah, we've been trying to talk to a lot of people, anybody that's lived over there or, you know, different things like that. We're just, we're trying to learn and we just, we have so much to learn and we're just really embracing just being learners and wanting to learn about culture and just different things, ministry. And we're just excited to be able to learn from other people. And we've put off language until we get there. We'll do a little bit of language, but Primarily, what we've been doing in preparation is our team leaders told us just keep doing what you're doing, sharing the gospel and, you know, making disciples and training other believers. That's a big part of what we do is just train believers. And then we've been looking to other married couples and just learning from them and trying to soak up as much wisdom as we can and just trying to learn of what it's like to be married and living overseas and the different stressors that that brings and different ways to cope and deal with that. Well, that, that's really good. And I appreciate you sharing every bit of that. that. That does take us now to our second break, though. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit more completely toward our listeners. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show. I relocated to Idaho from California in 2006 when Mission Aviation Fellowship moved their headquarters. And about 60 family units came up and relocated around the Boise, Nampa, Meridian area. And in this intentional pursuit and in this service, by then I had been with them for three years, as soon as I was in full-time ministry, taking all of my perfectionism and all my I want to please God approach and I want to show how grateful I am and I want to be faithful and I want to work as a, as a servant, you know, that's approved and a workman approved by God. I was surprised how much my heart started hurting after a number of years and how empty I could still feel even when I was throwing all of me into this work. And I was also being stretched into things. So I started out working on the education side of this ministry, with, and that had some comfort in it, but it was still stretching with the cultural elements and the, and the world travel. But then there were management needs that I stepped into and leadership needs that I stepped into and human resources needs that I stepped into as I worked on a growing team. And everyone around me was quite confident that I had what it took to do this, but I was continually doubtful. And I joke that I finally came to a realization 
around 2010, 2011, where I realized that probably most of my theology was far more informed by Nike and Yoda than by God. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. All right, we're back with Robert. And as we transition more toward you as the listener, we're going to take a quick pause and we're going to talk to Robert about what's changing because the way that they're going to minister in South Asia won't be exactly the same as what they're doing in Austin. So can you maybe kind of share what that is with us, Robert? Absolutely. So in Austin, as we've got started, and we have been more of the people that go out and do the direct sharing of the gospel one-on-one with non-believers. But as we transition overseas, our kind of role that we play is going to adjust a little bit, and we're going to primarily just be trainers and coaches, more of national believers, because we don't believe that we're the answer for any of the communities that we're going to engage, but we believe that the answer for those communities who God wants to use is already there. And we're just going to go in and look for them and train them and coach them and just really pray and ask God to, to grow them and to use them to reach all of their people. Very good stuff. So as we now turn our focus more toward our listeners, I'm wondering, as you think about people, particularly people who live in the U.S. who maybe care deeply about missions or, you know, are maybe even involved in church planting, sometimes I think that we can be so focused on trying to find a ministry opportunity that maybe we miss things that are right in front of us. Are there opportunities that you see that people often miss? Absolutely. There's, and the only reason I see those is because I miss them all the time myself. And so it's just learning the different opportunities. One thing I've seen is every single day, there's a stat that says in a course of a day, people express, you have at least about 27 conversations in the course of each day where people express some sort of brokenness. Mm. And usually whenever people express brokenness, it's a great opportunity for us to give them the hope that we found in Jesus. And so a big transition and one thing that they've really done well here in Austin is this tool called Circumstances, Feelings, Needs. Okay. And and it's just a conversational tool, and it just helps give us a framework for as we're having conversations with people, it gives us kind of a framework to think through. And the way it works is kind of like this. It's not really in writing, and I don't think it's in video yet, so I'll just have to explain it briefly. As you're talking to someone, very often people express a circumstance that they're going through. Our cars broke down. I'm having a hard time at work. There's these different things that come out, these different circumstances that people are going through. And whenever you see and you hear one of those circumstances, what you can do is transition into how does that making them feel? And so you can ask them, like, how is that impacting you? Like, how is that, how is that making you feel? And as they express those different ways that there's feeling, there's an opportunity as they show need to go ahead and offer, hey, is there anything I can do to help? Is there any way that I can, you know, serve you in that? And this is the key part. After you've offered to help them anything they need tangibly, and we found that it's a great opportunity to just go ahead and ask them, hey, do you mind if I just briefly pray for that circumstance that you're going through and that you're working through? And we're finding all over the place. And we were in Portland, and Portland is known as one of the most religiously unaffiliated cities in the United States. Hmm. And we were just caring for people, and we were just offering prayer. We were caring for them by offering prayer. And we, it was something like 70-something percent of people would allow us to pray for a need that they have. And so we're just finding each day there's many opportunities, to go back to your original question, each day— There's many opportunities as we're already having conversations with people that we can just be a little more intentional in offering them care, both care through listening to their circumstance, 
and then offering any help that we can give. But ultimately, we can care for them best if we just offer to pray for them. And from there, we can offer to share a story with them. We can tell them about Jesus. And so that's one thing that my wife and I, like even whenever we go out to eat, is one of the opportunities we found is with the waiters that would come to our table. And so we normally ask every single waiter, you know, whenever we're at a restaurant, hey, we're about to pray for our meal. Is there just anything that we can ask God to provide for you or your family? And so just many opportunities like that throughout our day that, as we just seek to pray and ask God to help us to see them, they just pop up like crazy. Wow. I had never heard that stat, 27 opportunities, 27 times that somebody expresses brokenness. That's, that's really, really powerful. I'd never heard that. I'm wondering also, is there maybe a book or a resource that you'd recommend for our listeners? There is movements.net. It's very helpful. There's podcasts on there. There's articles those are very helpful. There's a magazine called Mission Frontiers that's very helpful. You can read PDFs online from Mission Frontiers. There's also a website called noplaceleft.net. Very helpful. A lot of great resources on there, how to get into conversations, how to share the gospel. All of those resources are very helpful in the practicals of what does it look like to you know, meet someone and get from saying hello into a gospel conversation. And then what does it look like whenever someone comes to faith? How do you disciple that person? And those different websites will help with very practical resources for doing that. Wow, that's that's good stuff. And we will make sure that all of those are linked up for, for you in the show notes so that if you're driving to work, you don't have to try and text yourself. The show notes will be at engagingmissions.com slash Robert Harris. Now, Robert, as we're recording this, you're preparing to go, but by the time this goes live, you'll probably be in or getting close to being in South Asia. How can we best pray for you? Absolutely. And pray for my wife and I. Just pray that God would just give us a supernatural ability to love and to serve one another and to put you know each other first and to care for one another. And then pray for the hearts of the people that will engage, ask the Lord to just open the door for us to labor. Really just pray that the Lord would open the door for effective ministry and that he would leave it open for the duration of our time there. And just pray that we would continue to love Jesus and that we would get to know him more. That's really our heart is we fell in love with Jesus and we just want to keep falling in love with him and our cry and and our really our desire, kind of the big thing that we're asking the Lord is we want to see him return in our lifetime. And we want to be here, Lord willing, whenever the trumpet sounds and whenever he descends. And that's just something I really want to see. And so pray that the Lord would return in our generation. Wow. And if you could challenge us to do one thing in the next seven days, what would you challenge us to do and why? I would challenge you to grab a piece of paper and write down everybody that you can think of that is kind of in your sphere of influence. So whether it be neighbors, coworkers, family, just write down anyone that you can think of and then go to one of the websites that I mentioned and find one of the simple gospel tools. One of them that you can look up is called the three circles. And you can look that up on YouTube and find it very easily. Learn that simple tool and then just go share it with all the people on your list and just start, you know, just sharing it with them. And if they're already a believer, then teach them how to share it and challenge them to go share it with other people. If they're not a believer, share it. By God's grace, they come to faith and then you teach them how to share it and challenge them to go share it with other people. Good stuff, Robert. Thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Absolutely. My pleasure. I really appreciate what Robert shared. Now we're shifting over to Brian Hogan as he's reading from his book, There's a Sheep in My Bathtub. When we were with him last, he was recognizing the spiritual reality that matched the physical reality of the Iron Gates that were keeping him out of the country. Now the question is, what comes next? Just because he understands what's going on doesn't necessarily mean that a breakthrough is easy. So what's going to happen? 
I began to pray loudly and worship fiercely against those gates, actually laying my hands on the iron gates and commanding them to open for the ambassador of the King of Kings and Khan of Khans. I sang out loud, Jesus Christ is Lord of Mongolia. My missionary friend moved away to the other side of the crowd, convinced the strain had finally unhinged me. Mongolians and Chinese gave me extra room and gazed on me in stunned amazement. Even the guard did nothing as I walked past him and grabbed the gates. They all thought I was a lunatic. I felt God in what I was doing, so I continued, telling him silently, if he didn't move to open the gates, I'd die of embarrassment. Either way, my problem would be solved. After about five minutes of verbal prayer warfare and worship that seemed like fifty, I abruptly ran out of things to say. I just sputtered to a stop. At least thirty pairs of eyes were drilling into my back as I faced that gate. I was afraid to even look in the guard's direction. God, now what? I can't just stand here. So Brian has recognized the spiritual and the physical realities around him, and his first response is to worship for a few minutes. Then he, he sputters to a stop. So what's going to happen next? Is it going to be something where there's a quick breakthrough, or is he going to have to continue to wait and pray? Stop back next week when we're going to check back in with Brian and find out what God does in this time. I would like to thank Brian for making his book available. He didn't have to do that, and I really appreciate that, that he made it available for us to go through a little bit at a time and learn from his experiences. If you'd like, if you have a book that you'd like to turn into an audiobook, I would like to recommend that you either send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com or contact my friend Jeff Butterworth at Sound Paradigm Studio, because I would absolutely love to see more audiobooks out there for people who are either unwilling or uninterested in reading print books. I think that could be an incredibly valuable resource for the body of Christ. And I would love to be involved or help connect you with somebody who could be involved in helping you bring that together. I think that could just be absolutely amazing. So let's say that you're sitting down talking with somebody and you realize that they're a Muslim and they start talking about Allah. If they did that, would you have an idea of what they mean and, and who Allah is to them? You, you might have some misconceptions if you follow the media or perhaps if, you're, if you haven't studied a whole lot. And I'd like to point you toward some resources from Global Initiative. I'm actually in the middle of a fundraiser for them. I'm believing God for $4,000 to help fund their ministry. But I, I want to give you a little bit of a teaser of some of the information that they provide that might be valuable in that situation. So last time we talked, we talked about some of the attributes that Muslims believe about Allah. We're going to cover a few more this week. One thing that they believe about Allah is that Allah is one or that there is uh, only one. And in that, they're very similar to what Christians believe, because we believe also that there is only one God. They also believe that Allah is great. And man, can we see that in when we look at our perspective of God? One of God's names is the, the God of gods, El Elyon, the highest of the high. And that is the same kind of thing that we believe about God. They also believe that there's a revelation of his divine will or law. And this is where things really start to get different because they believe in the law that was sent down. And we also believe in the law that was sent down. But we also believe in the word that was sent down. And that's, that's a point of differentiation. Also, our belief in the Trinity is a, a point of differentiation. And a lot of Muslims would have a real difficult time understanding a God that is one and also three. And <laughs> having been a child and tried to understand that, I can, I can certainly see that in my own life, that I struggled with that from time to time. The last thing that we're going to talk about that they believe about Allah is that he's transcendent or completely unknowable. And this is something I want to key in on because it reminds us of the greatness and the graciousness of God, that we believe that he revealed himself to us, that he is the word made flesh who dwelt among us, who made his dwelling among us, and that he did reveal the Father, whereas a Muslim would believe that the, the real self, the real man, and Allah also can never be truly known 
by men. If you found these resources valuable, I'd recommend that you visit the show notes page at engagingmissions.com slash Robert Harris and check out the link that will take you over over to Global Initiative. Grab some of these resources. And if you're interested in helping fund their ministry, visit engagingmissions.com slash fund 16 so we can get resources like this into the global body of Christ wherever they are so that they can also engage Muslims for the gospel. Well, I I told you that this was going to be an action-packed episode, and we're not quite done yet. At the very beginning, I mentioned that I was going to have an opportunity for you to help me shape the content for an upcoming series. So here's the deal. I'm planning a series to focus on short-term missions that I'm hoping to to have ready to go mid-summer when people are thinking about short-term missions. What I'm thinking about for this is I, I really want to provide a resource that's valuable for people who care deeply about short-term missions, maybe want to learn more, to understand what's important about short-term missions, what we can get out of short-term missions, maybe to look at things like putting together a quality team, making sure that you have a good experience, not necessarily a happy experience, but a good and deep and meaningful experience. And what I'm wanting to do is find out from you what kinds of topics or things, questions maybe, are important so that I can then look for some guests who are experts in those areas, maybe somebody who's led a lot of short-term trips or maybe somebody who's really good at forming and preparing a team, maybe somebody who's really good at hosting a team, that kind of thing. And so what I'd like for you to do is visit engagingmissions.com slash s. T-M. That's STM for short-term missions. And I've got there for you a quick survey or a quick questionnaire. It's going to ask for your email address and your name. And then I've got a few questions, a few topics that I think might be useful that I'm going to ask you to choose between. And then I've also got some opportunities for you to help fill in the gaps if I've missed something. I'd really love to have your feedback so that we can turn this into something valuable. If you visit engagingmissions.com slash S. TM. That's where you're going to find an opportunity to share this so that we can put together something that will be valuable for the body of Christ at large as we look at short-term missions and some of the good things that can be done through short-term missions. I appreciate you sticking around till the very end. It's It really means a lot to me. I know that this was a lot. And also, one more time, I just want to say, for all the extra downloads, if you're subscribed to the show, I'm really sorry about that. I, I'm so sorry about that. Thank you for sticking around. You're, you're really important, and I really appreciate you being here. Thanks to Robert Harris for being with us. Brian Hogan for making his book available. Global Initiative for making their resources available for free. And to you for joining us. Show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash Robert Harris. That's where you'll find links, quotes, and resources to help you engage. Make sure you come back next week. We'll be hearing from Kathy Slusser about the power of recognizing how much God loves us. Make sure you don't miss it by subscribing. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. And please help us understand how we can improve the show and serve you better. Send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Missions Show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.